Good Sunday morning, Antioch, and all of our friends and family. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And He is risen indeed. We are so glad that Christ is risen and that we are here together with you on this Sunday morning, breaking open the scriptures, coming to the table together, bringing our offerings to the Lord. Jonathan, what a fabulous set of worship. I'm, I'm so glad that we are videoing worship now, by Me the too. way. I'm, I'm grateful that I'm not doing it alone. Thank you, Seth. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, guys, if you have your Bibles, please grab your Bible or your phone. We are going to be looking at the passages of John chapter 20. We are continuing our resurrection passages from Easter Sunday. By the way, wasn't that such a fabulous yes. video service? It was. It was and so it, good to have the whole band together. It was a fantastic experience when we're not used to seeing people even just to be in the same building as people. Was Absolutely. Really and a lot of uh, patchwork coordination, making sure we were honoring our oh, we were social, distancing. social distance. We, were, we kept our radiuses. Absolutely. Yes. But yeah. it was so, so good. It was. So much life. And uh, depending on how long this goes, would there possibly be a possibility that we might have there might, some more There might services? possibly be a possibility might of possibly seeing a more, possibility, huh? of more of that. We'll All right. See. Well, very good. Well, guys, we have a fantastic word for you today. I think it's going to bring a lot of hope, a lot of joy, and a lot of peace for you. And I am excited to dive into John chapter 20. So let us pray and let us read the scriptures together. Father, thank you so much for your presence that is here right now entering into every one of our living spaces, bedrooms, living rooms, dining rooms, family rooms. Father, we thank you that through the use of modern technology that the gospel is being preached and proclaimed uh, literally all over the world. Father, we thank you that not only for what we are doing, but Lord, for every single uh, church and even, Father, ministers that are just um, in their offices with an iPhone, proclaiming the gospel, faithfully preaching and announcing to the world and to the atmosphere that Christ is risen, Amen. that Christ has ushered in a new reality, a new world, a new creation. And in that we rejoice today. Thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Well, uh, picking up from our resurrection passages on Resurrection Sunday. By the way, John chapter 20, huh? Mm -hmm. Dude, I mean, Fantastic. like start to finish. Yeah, a lot so happens there. good. A lot happens. Primarily, Jesus just showing up and appearing to everyone, mm -hmm. right? So uh, as we had mentioned on Resurrection Sunday, there's a good chunk of the passages where Jesus is revealing himself to Mary. Yes. And now we're going to pick up uh, the passages where Jesus reveals himself to the disciples mm -hmm. minus Thomas. Right. Yeah. And then the disciples plus Thomas. So uh, let's, let's start our reading today, beginning with verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them. Some translations say that he stood right in the middle, right mm -hmm. in the center. Jesus be the center of it all. Yeah. And we always want Jesus to stand right there in the center of wherever we are at. And he announces to them, he says to them, peace be with you. And after he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord, I bet. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. 
Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them this time. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came and he stood among them and he said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. And then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. Boy, I'd love to read that book. Yep. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name, this is the word of the Lord. And thanks be to God. Amen. Now, there's so much. There's so much. Yeah, let's just go verse by verse. Verse by <laughs> verse. I mean, we could be here for hours. No yeah. no joke, man. Yeah. Um, well, what else do we have to do? We're in quarantine. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> just kidding. We know yeah. that you have Our video and audio yeah. files might, uh, yeah. might get overloaded there. <laughs> uh, okay, man. Um, I mean, I know that when I was taking notes on these verses, and, and there's only, what, 12 verses here, yeah. but so much just packed into these verses. Um, I mean, we've got mission, we've got reconciliation, yeah. we've got pneumatology, Holy yes. Spirit. Um, where do you want to go with this? We've got Doubting Thomas. We've got we Doubting got, Thomas. We've got Let's Speculate on All the Signs That Are Not Recorded in This Book. I mean, I've got a list. So <laughs> That would be fun. Yeah, it would be fun. <laughs> uh, you know, Pastor, I know that, that there's something that we're going to tackle here together, but just something that stood out to me right from the beginning when I looked at this passage, not for the first time, but for the first time in preparation of this, mm -hmm. was just that when Jesus comes, the disciples are, they're fearful and they're in a locked room. I mean, they just saw Jesus be crucified and they know that some people out there know that they were his followers. So they don't know what's about to happen to sure. them. I mean, there are very real fears that are accompanying them. But when Jesus shows up, he says, peace be with you. And it seems that Jesus shows up and there is no condemnation. There's not even a command to request. I mean, there is, there is a command subsequently, but the first thing is just the pure gift of his presence, the per, pure gift of peace, mm. then the pure gift of the Holy Spirit. It's like mm. when Jesus shows up, he shows up for one in a way that only he can. This is a locked room and Jesus yeah. comes in and stands, as we said in some translations, right in the center among them, which mm -hmm. I think is a word for the church, mm. that when Jesus is at the center, there can be peace in the midst of all kinds of crazy circumstances. But that's not the message that we're preaching at the moment. I, I was struck though, just that when Jesus shows up, it's like he understands and knows, but he wants to first give them the pure gift of his presence, the gift of the spirit, the gift of peace. And I think that that is a word to us, that God always gives first, mm. that our worship is not initiating anything, that our worship is always a response to what God is first 
doing on our behalf. I mean, even before Jesus shows up, we can say that Jesus goes to them, yes. that Jesus finds them, and yes. much in the same way in our lives. Yep. Jesus comes yeah, to us right in the middle of our It may appear that fear. we are doing things to usher in Jesus' mm, presence, but mm, really mm. Jesus is finding us. He's coming to us, and He's giving us the gift of Himself, the gift of, of salvation, the gift so of peace. Good. So yeah, good. So, so what stood out to you? I love that. Um, well, I am going to, I'd like for us to devote a good chunk of our time on the fact that Jesus says, peace be with you, mm -hmm. three times. Yeah, a few times. Yeah. Um, and what I think is interesting that I've never quite noticed before, just spending a little bit more time here in John chapter 20, is that there are so many things that Jesus is doing that is actually the fulfillment of his final yeah. discourse, the right. sayings of his final discourse found in John chapter 13, 14, 15, and 16. Exactly. In fact, for those of you guys who are at home, this would be a really good uh, supplemental study for you to read these passages in John chapter 20. And then go back and read John chapter 13 through yep. 17, um, definitely through 16. And what you'll see here is that there are so many things that in these 12 verses mm -hmm. that Jesus is doing that is actually fulfilling what he said he was going to do. Yep. Like the first, uh, he says, guys, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to come back to you. Mm -hmm. And so here Jesus comes back. Yep. And he reveals himself. He, he also says in those final discourse sayings, he says, guys, there's going to be a season of time where you're going to be grieving. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to have a lot of pain uh, at the fact that I'm, that, I'm, that I'm leaving. He uses this analogy of a woman in childbirth who in the middle of that childbirth, there's so much pain, mm -hmm. but then the joy of the child that comes right. forward. And so Jesus says, guys, I'm going to leave for a while. And in that season, that space of time, which we've just come out mm -hmm. of, he said, you're going to experience pain. Yep. But then when I come back, you're going to experience joy. Right. And I love right there that Jesus shows up. They're afraid. Yep. Right. They're in the darkness because resurrection, life and light has not yet come to them. But uh, that, that verse right there in verse 20, it says, after he then shows up, they're overjoyed. Mm -hmm. So he fulfills that passage. Uh, I think it's interesting that Jesus says, guys, it's good for me to go away because yep. unless I go away... I cannot send to you the Comforter. Mm -hmm. And then he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. On and on and on it goes. There are so many things yeah. that Jesus is making good on from his final, his final teachings. But the thing that really pulled me into the text was the fact that the word peace in John's gospel is only used five times. Three of the five times are, are, are found here in these 12 verses. I think we should talk about that then. I, <laughs> I think we should. And at first glance, it maybe just seems a little uncharacteristic. Or maybe at first glance, it just seems like, you know, uh, uh, acute uh, greeting. Mm -hmm. But I think if, if we just do a little bit of a deeper dive, there are interesting scenarios that Jesus is speaking into. First and yep. foremost is, number one, Jesus shows up. The disciples are afraid. And rightly so. They're afraid because the same Jewish leaders that crucified Christ, they're still out there. Yeah. They're still out there on the loose. And, and these guys are, you know, associated with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And very likely could these guys be persecuted as well. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus enters into that space, right into their fear. And he speaks to them peace. He mm -hmm. announces to them a new reality. Yeah. Essentially, it's the peace of what I, what, what I would just write, you know, the peace of the resurrection. It's the peace of truth. Mm -hmm. What do we mean by the peace of truth? Well, what is ultimate truth? Ultimate truth is God's ultimate reality. Right. And our reality uh, should always fold itself into the reality of Christ. 
right? As followers of mm -hmm. Jesus, we are allowing him now to determine our ultimate reality. Yeah, this is, this is the new reality, which doesn't negate the other very real present reality For to them. Sure. I mean, their door is locked. They are It's a cowering. real threat. It's a real threat. Yeah. And Jesus showing up saying peace doesn't change the circumstances that they are still walking around and that they could be persecuted. Right. But what Jesus saying peace to them and showing up to them as a resurrected Lord does do is if you are persecuted, it's not in vain. Because Jesus is resurrected, now the overarching reality gives new meaning to this present reality. So good. And I think that that is a word for us, that sometimes Jesus does change our circumstances. Right. And we pray for that to happen. Uh, but that doesn't always happen. What we know is that our hope is in Christ and in the resurrection. Mm -hmm. And that puts in perspective the things that happen to us in this other level of reality, which is a reality, of course. Right. So yeah, it's interesting. He comes and he speaks peace, doesn't change their circumstances. I mean, they could have been persecuted the next day. Right. But because he is risen, it gives it a whole new meaning. It does, yeah. absolutely. And you know, one of these other, I mentioned there were five times when John utilizes that word peace. Mm -hmm. And one of those verses, and it would be really good for you guys to look at, would be John chapter 16, verse 33. John chapter 16, 33, Jesus is ending uh, his discourse sayings to the disciples. And he ends this entire uh, pericope or this entire section of teaching by saying this, do not let your hearts be troubled. Yeah. In this world, you're going to have trouble. But then he says, take heart. Yeah, I have, I have overcome, overcome the, world. the world. And then he says, peace, my peace, my very real peace, I'm leaving with exactly. you. Right? I have said these things to you yeah. so that you may have peace. Yeah. But what have I said? Well, I've said that I'm leaving the Holy Spirit with you. I have said that I'm not leaving you as orphans. Mm -hmm. uh, I have said that um, you know, to love one another. You have a new assignment now. Mm -hmm. So I've said all these things to you so that you can have a very real peace yep. to latch on to. Well, then we find that Jesus shows up a second time. Or he doesn't show up a second time. He says to the disciples yep. a second time. Mm -hmm. So he's still right there. Disciples are overjoyed when they see you know, his hands in his side. And then he says to them again, peace be with you now. Now think about this. Um, you're a disciple. You're locked down. You're in fear. You can't go out, right? Yeah. So the you're disciples were, yeah, they're quarantined. <laughs> and Jesus shows up right in the middle of them. And he doesn't say anything but peace be with you. Right. Right. They're freaking out. They're elated. They're overjoyed. And then he announces it again. That just seems really odd to me. Yeah. And I don't know if that's a literary technique. I'm not sure if that's exactly what went down. But we do know that the evangelists, John, you know, yeah. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they would employ literary techniques. He wants us to hear He that. wants us to hear mm -hmm. this, and he wants us to hear it in a very emphasized way. Yeah. So could it be here that now Jesus announces to them peace, and right after the second time, he begins to talk with them about their mission. Mm -hmm. He says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, mm -hmm. so I am sending you, which that has massive implications all in of yeah. itself. I mean, we could really spend a lot of time how did the Father send Jesus? Yeah, you know, exactly. for God so loved the world that He gave His Son. Um, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. God, Christ laid His life down. John chapter 13 says, when Jesus knew where He came from and where He was going, it said that He then lowered Himself and He washed His disciples' feet. Mm -hmm. I mean, over and over again, we see that Jesus came in a particular way. He came on an assignment. Yes, he came yeah. with a mission. And so this peace, this, this, this new era, this new creation, this new reality that mm -hmm. we've received, 
Jesus is saying, now you're responsible to take this to the world. Yep. As the Father has sent me to pronounce peace, yep. so I'm sending you as peace agents. Yeah. Peace right. ambassadors. Peace yeah. ambassadors. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And then right after this, he, we, have, we have three things that are laid out there. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. So therefore receive the Holy Spirit. And this is where I think it's important for us to realize that to be ambassadors of peace, the peace of God, the peace of heaven, it's not just to go around doing nice things and good works. Mm -hmm. Those things die without God. Essentially, Jesus is saying, listen, for this assignment, for this mission, you are continuing the yep. mission that I began. And exactly. in order for you to do that, you have to have the Holy Spirit, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, a peace that we would give without the first point, without, without the resurrection reality, a new reality, that peace is, it's, it's empty. Yeah. It's not lasting. But because there is a new reality, then there is something that we really can proclaim with faith that is hopeful for people. That's more than just doing good things. Exactly. Yeah. It's not hollow. It's not cotton candy. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And so then finally we see that Jesus says to his disciples, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. This is John's commissioning mm -hmm. statement. You need the Holy Spirit to live this world, of, to live this life of peace and to announce this to the world. But then he also says something unique that we'll visit later where he says that if you forgive anyone's sins, I've forgiven them, they'll mm -hmm. be forgiven. And if you retain anyone's sins, they're retained. So let's, let's pause on the theological nuances of that yeah. for another time. But what we do see is that peace and reconciliation and forgiveness all go together. Yep. That the world needs to know that they have been forgiven. Yes. True peace with God can only be our reality when we know that resurrection life has overcome our sins and offenses exactly. against God. And so Jesus is saying this resurrection reality is a real deal. And mm -hmm. because of that, you now have a mission. But then we find something interesting. Jesus shows up a week later. Mm -hmm. And now doubting Thomas, which I, I look at a little bit differently. I don't think Jesus was rebuking Thomas. Right. I, don't know. I don't think he was downing him. I think that we've taken this from our modern mindset and we throw mm -hmm. stones at Thomas. You know, truth be told, there are a lot of people there that uh, saw the empty tomb. They still didn't believe yet. Jesus wasn't rebuking them. Right. You know, all of the disciples needed to see Jesus before they believed. That was what I, that's what stood out to me is doubting Thomas wasn't asking for anything that all of the rest of them didn't already have. Exactly. You know, so. Exactly. So, yeah, that's just a, a fun little trail yeah. to run down if we want to. But, but Jesus shows up a week later and was the first thing he says. Peace be with Peace you. Peace be with you. And now I didn't grow up from a liturgical background. I'm not, I'm not deeply familiar with it. I'm becoming more and more mm -hmm. uh, aware. Yeah. But I know that in a lot of mainline churches, there is this part of the liturgy in the service, what's called passing the peace. Do you know much about that? Well, you know, I think it goes with the second part of there when we talk about receiving the Holy Spirit, forgiving sins, and the mission because those things all revolve, that giving of the peace, the second one metaphorically speaks to the way that we relate to one another. So good. Forgiveness, mission, that proclamation. So I think part of what is happening there is that we're speaking peace before. I'm speaking peace to you. Peace goes before the way that I relate to you. Wow. And you speak it to me. So it's, it's kind of like we talked about on, in the Good Friday message that from the cross, Jesus gives Mary to John, that they relate to each other in a new way in light of this new reality. It's powerful. And I think that the passing of the peace speaks to that, that, that I speak to you as a brother in Christ. Wow. Before there is any 
enmity between us before so whatever good. else, the peace of Christ goes before the way that we relate to one this another. This is the new reality of how we've been called to relate to one another. Mm -hmm. Because of the resurrection. Yeah, and because we have been restored and there is peace between us and yes, God. Yes, first and foremost. Now there is peace between Outstanding. us. Outstanding. Yeah. It reminds me of the Lord's Prayer where Jesus guides us and commands us. Lord, forgive us our sins yes. as we forgive the sins of one another. Yeah. Because of resurrection reality, we have peace with you and peace goes before us one with another. Mm -hmm. that's, po that's powerful. Yeah, it is. That's so good. Peace be with you. Amen. Peace be with you. <laughs> And so, it, all joking aside, I think that I think there's opportunity space there for yeah, us. I agree. And whether we want to use those exact words or not, I think the spiritual principle there is. I know I'm getting a little off track here, but I think the spiritual principle is as people of God that we can echo and impute and impart that same reality into our circumstances into our grocery stores. Man, I'm telling you, when we go into our grocery stores, I should save this for the end of our talk here because it's, you know, it's a really good closing statement. But, but seriously, in our homes, in our marriages, uh, conflict and, and divisiveness and contention in our workplaces, friends, you can echo these words of God. Peace be with you. Peace be into this situation. Yeah, I agree. Amen. So Amen. then John, uh, Jesus shows up to Thomas. He announces peace be with you. And so again, the first one, it's the piece of new resurrection reality. The second piece is the piece of reconciliation, the reconciliation mm -hmm. of our new mission. But this third piece is interesting because Jesus enters into this conversation with Thomas and he says, it's good, it's good, it's good that you believe after you've seen me. But Thomas, there's gonna be a lot of people that are being called on to believe mm -hmm. and they don't have this luxury. Right. They can't put their fingers in my palm. They can't thrust their hand into my side. They can't see it with their physical eye. And yet they're gonna be called to believe. And he says, mm -hmm. blessed are those who believe yes. when they have not seen. And then John, the, the evangelist does such a marvelous job closing out John chapter 20 with these words that are very consistent mm -hmm. with his overarching purpose throughout the entire gospel. And yeah. that is that we may believe exactly. that Jesus is the Son of God. Verse 31, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life, life eternal, life more abundantly. Yep. So I think mm -hmm. that there is a peace that Jesus is announcing this third time, which is the peace of faith or the peace of hope. We could call yeah. it the peace of a living hope. Yeah. It's a peace that we have that is not only our new reality, not only the way that we relate to one another and our mission to the world, but it's a peace that says beyond this moment, mm -hmm. beyond life as we know it, yep. there is peace for your future throughout all of eternity. Yeah, that what is true for Jesus now will be true for us then. Exactly. That, that is what we have been promised, that kind of resurrection life. Mm -hmm. We will see him and we will be with him and like him as he is. It's, it's, it's baffling. It's really. mind boggling. It is, it? It's, yeah. It's a mystery, but it's a glorious mystery. Yeah, and if you want it to be even more mind boggling, just read Paul. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so there is this passage in First Peter where Peter speaks to this language of, of living hope. I'm going to read uh, from a different translation this morning, uh, the NRSV. I just love, I have my NIV Bible over there, but I love the way that the NRSV writes this passage or translates this passage. So First Peter chapter 1, we're going to read verses 3 through 9 together. And this is the living hope passage. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth mm -hmm. 
into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Those are some strong Those descriptors there. Words, yeah. yes. It's kept in heaven for you who are being protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Okay, so that was a really long sentence. I'm going to keep reading here. <laughs> but just to, to summarize and get at what he's saying without all the commas, and that is that now you have a hope and you have been given a claim to a future inheritance based on what Jesus has done. That's really good. All right. Great so then, summary. All right. Thank you. Thank you. I worked hard at that. <laughs> uh, verse six here. In this you rejoice, even if now for a little while you have had to suffer various trials so that, and then this is the phrase that I want us to wrestle with, so that the genuineness of your faith being more precious than gold that though perishable is tested by fire so that the genuineness of your faith may be found to result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Although you have not seen him, you love him. That's consoling. Mm. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy. Well, thanks be to God. For you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Mm. Two things I want to point out here. Uh, one, in verse, I believe it's verse 5, he, he says, who are bring, being protected by the power of God through faith. And then in the very next verse, he says, you will suffer trials. So just to reiterate this point, that the hope that we have in Jesus is a hope that doesn't change it doesn't always change the reality of what we see happening here around us. It doesn't change our circumstances, we might say. Right. Sometimes it does, sure. but not always. Because he's saying you're being protected by God, but what's being protected by God is you in this future new reality. Yeah. It is the claim to your inheritance. So that's one thing that I think we have to wrestle with as one of the messages of First and Second Peter is that life is going to be difficult. Mm -hmm. Persevere. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Jesus has shown us how to persevere. That's sure. one of the overriding messages here. But then this, this genuineness of our faith being more precious than gold that though perishable is tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor. The following sentence, and I paused here when we read it initially, he says that our love for Jesus is real. And I think that we need to hear that before we hear what's next. Wow. Because it seems that he is saying that the genuineness of our faith needs to be tested by fire to become genuine, or we should say to become more genuine. Mm. Because I think that especially for them and, and even for us in Western world, it is easy to have faith in a God that we see as all powerful, as all knowing, that can do miracles, that can do great things for us. It's in some ways easy to come to a God like that mm. for what he can do for us. Mm. And I think that part of what Peter means here is that we go through trials and we go through difficulty. Not that God makes bad things happen to us. I certainly don't think that. But I think that in these things happening to us, our faith is purified so that more and more we want Jesus for who he is, for who he not is. for what he can do for us. Right. It might be said that 
or we could say this in a way that would be something like, we want to want Jesus, the right thing, in the right way. In the right way. Because it's even easy to want Jesus in ways that are very selfish. Sure. It's easy to worship in ways that are selfish for the way that God makes us feel. We come to church for the wrong reasons sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I think that that on some level is okay. Like mm -hmm. God doesn't expect perfection from us. Mm -hmm. But the genuineness of our faith mm -hmm. over time, if we're faithful to Christ, it will be purified so that increasingly we want Him more than what He can do for us. That's outstanding. Because in the end, we're going to get Jesus. Right. And of course, there is nothing greater. Yeah, and that is the goal. That is the goal. Of our faith. Yeah. Right. So that when He is revealed, praise comes from us. Yes. Like that should be our goal. Yeah, I yeah. love verse 9, for you are receiving the end result of your faith. Yeah. The salvation of your souls, which is essentially knowing Christ for who He is. Exactly. Right? That's it. And That's then that verse before, what you just referenced here, though you've not seen Him, you love Him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious yeah. joy. Yes, because of that new because reality. Because of that new reality yep. and because of that peace mm -hmm. that has been imparted unto us. Yeah. You know, as you're talking about the proving, the testing of our faith, I just keep hearing the word maturity. Yes. Maturity. You know, like a young child, um, I think that there are moments where my kids, they love me and they enjoy me more yep. at six and at 10 and at 11 years old, 12 years old. And particularly it's when, you know, we pull out the, the jelly bellies or when we, you know, have ice cream runs or, mm -hmm. or when I do things that they want, like yeah. you said. But as they mature, they're going to be able to appreciate the things about who I am as their dad yeah. as they mature. Exactly. Where they recognize and they realize, where well, there are times where dad didn't give me everything I wanted, but mm -hmm. I appreciate that now because their understanding of what it means to be a father and a child has matured. I agree. And, and, uh, I think that's exactly right. Yeah. I like this verse right here in verse 3. I'm just going to touch on it and then we can wrap this up. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. Mm -hmm. By the way, we could really talk about living hope. Yes. That's, I love that phrase there. Yep. He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. What does resurrection make possible? I mean, here we are, we're a, a week away from Easter, mm -hmm. or we could even say that we're, you know, last week was Resurrection Sunday, and we're a week into Easter tide. Right. And many believers may not realize, but that in the church calendar, the, the, the season of Easter yeah. actually goes from Resurrection Sunday all the way to... Yeah. To Pentecost. It's a much longer celebration than just one day. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and ultimately, truly, uh, we as believers should and could be living in resurrection joy and resurrection hope and resurrection reality all year long because yeah. of what Christ has made possible. But I just love this phrase here. He has given us new birth into. We have been born into a hope. Yes. And it is not a static hope. Right. We have been born into a hope that is alive yeah. because Christ is alive. So no matter what valley we walk through, no matter who's persecuting us and what doors that we're hiding in, no matter what virus might be floating around in the invisible yeah. atmosphere, right. right? No matter day by day, whatever we face, there is a living hope that is alive and it's living in us. Yeah. Yeah. There's something to, I, I read that phrase over and over and over again. So I love that we're clicking on that. And I think the way that we use hope language in our everyday lives is mm -hmm. like, I hope I don't get sick. Right. And it's a, it's a wishfulness. Yeah. 
But what's different about this is that we're hoping in something that is a present reality in the life of Christ. Actually, yes. I should say, we're hoping in someone. Yes. We are hoping is alive. Yes, in the living, risen, resurrected Lord. Yeah. And that's what's different about this is that the hopefulness is that what is currently true for Jesus will be true for us. Yeah. That we will pass through death, but one day we will be resurrected with him in this new creation. So this is not a hope that something else will happen and right. we really hope against the alternate reality, mm. but that we are hoping into a presently risen living Lord. And that's why our hope is alive. It's so good. As yeah. long as he's alive. As long as he's alive. Our hope exactly. can be alive. Yeah. Yeah, amen. So good. So good. Well, we we could talk many, many hours on this, and maybe we will. Maybe we will. Maybe Without them, yes, maybe we will them. talk for hours here on John chapter 20. Well, friends, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, just in summary here, and maybe for some conversation for uh, the groups or your families that gather together, uh, focusing in on those three elements of peace. Number one, the peace of a new reality, a reality that God speaks into your life, who speaks over your life. And at this point, it would be really good to take inventory. Where do I need God to speak and announce and impart His peace into my life? Secondly, it's the peace of reconciliation. You have now been assigned to complete the mission that Jesus began. We have all, as followers of Christ, been commissioned that as God has sent Jesus into the world, so you and I are being sent into the world to declare peace. Essentially, we're saying God's not mad at you and he never has been mad at you. Jesus didn't die because God is some angry God. Jesus died so that we could live out the fullness of life that God created us and always intended us to live in. And we got to go make that news known and we got to announce peace to the world. And finally, finally, it's the peace of faith or the peace of our living hope. It's the peace of knowing that as long as Jesus is alive, that our hope is and can be alive. And so what is the status and the state of your hope right now, friend? Our prayer for you is that your hope is strong, but if it is not, let me encourage you and let me pray for you that Christ, the resurrected Christ, would bring strength and life and grace to the living hope that is inside of you. Let us pray together. Father, thank you for this time that we have had today to really dive into your scriptures, to look at these passages, Jesus, where you have revealed yourself to your disciples, where you've revealed yourself to Thomas, you've made yourself known, and you have imputed and imparted unto us the peace of the resurrection era, the peace of new creation. And Father, today, right now, I just, I just speak this over all of Antioch, I speak this to over all of our family members and all of our friends and all of our guests who might be joining us today. And I just declare over you, peace be with you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.